What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Best of the Week. I hope you had a fabulous week. Oh, me? Why, yes, I had a lovely week as well. I thank you for asking. That was really formal of me. I'm sorry. It's Sunday. What can I say? Uh, Let's get into the first part of the Best of. Here are my thoughts, some of my thoughts on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. First, show starts off with Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. This was an unexpected way to kick off the show. I definitely was not thinking that this was going to start the show. I assumed this would maybe end the show, maybe be in the second hour, and they would build up to it. But no, they got your attention right from the start. And I, I, I really like it. I, I I thought this was a good way to get people's attention right from the beginning. I, I think that, you know, I've mentioned that switching up the formula isn't bad. I think that switching up the formula to start off with a main event level, uh, main event level match cannot complain about that, especially when you're talking about raising the prestige of the United States title. Because at that point, when it starts off the show, I do think that there's a lot of wrestling fans. I'm not necessarily one of those people feels this way but I do think that there are a lot of wrestling fans out there who seem to have this feeling that a a match in the main event because you know it has a finite amount of time you know it has to end by a certain point it takes away the mystique of the finish because you know the finish has to be coming within a certain point in time and so if you've got a title match it takes away from that thought process because you genuinely don't know when it's going to end because it could go for 10 minutes, it could go for 15 minutes, could go for 20 minutes, could go a whole hour. You never know. So I don't, I don't think it's going to go an hour. It's not like that's a normal thing we would see. But what I'm saying is it theoretically could, and I think that's why they started off the show with this match. There was a cool spot where uh, Rollins reversed a spear into a pedigree-like drop down. I say pedigree-like because he didn't quite hooked the arms, but they did call it a pedigree. It's clearly what he was going for, so I'll give him credit for that. And it looked cool regardless. I uh, thought that match could have ended there, but Lashley kicks out. Um, Rollins, later in the match, attempts a Phoenix splash, but Lashley rolled out of the way. Seth goes for the stomp. He moves out of the way from that as well. Then Bobby puts Seth in the hurt lock. Seth reverses out of it, kicks him in the nuts, and that brings out Matt Riddle. He distracts Rollins long enough for Lashley to hit the spear and get the win. No issues here. I think that building Lashley up as the top guy on the show, as the top babyface on the show right now, who's holding a title, who's dominant, um, there's there's nothing wrong with that. They're doing a good job of making Lashley seem like the guy. And right now, in the absence of a world title, you need to feel like the show has an unbeatable force at the top. And I think that they are doing a solid job of making Lashley feel that way ever since Triple H just took took over. He's had uh, matches against, you know, lower people on the card. He's now had Seth Rollins. He's been a fighting champion who is willing to say, who's willing to stand his ground when he says that this is his show. So I really like what they're doing with Bobby Lashley. And I didn't think it was time to take the title off of him anyway. Uh, Seth Rollins doesn't need it. I think that Seth Rollins still clearly is going to be involved with this Riddle feud. And that Riddle feud doesn't need the United States title at this point either. The two of them are are killing it in their feud. And I think that it's clearly not ending 
it's clearly not over. And so because of that, I don't think they need the title. They've got this blood feud going as it is, and the title is not going to help it. It is going to help Bobby Lashley cement himself at the top of the card on Monday Night Raw. Fancy car pulls up after that with damage control, pro- promoting a championship celebration after the commercial break. But first, there was an ad promoting Survivor Series War Games. Dude, Survivor Series War Games? Awesome. I uh, I was talking with someone recently, and it, they had asked me if I was in charge of WWE. Cre- excuse me, if I was in charge of WWE creative. Uh, if the, the reins were handed to me, what some of the first few moves I would do were. And one of the things I had mentioned to them was ending the Raw versus SmackDown element of Survivor Series. I just don't think it adds anything to the show. It used to be right after the draft, so there was no brand loyalty anyways. Uh, I do think that you could bring that back with the Worlds Collide concept that they are doing with NXT or in other ways. But I just never felt like it connected with Survivor Series. I think people wanted to see an elimination match. Or something just different. I don't think the Raw versus SmackDown thing was really connecting. And so now we're getting the first WWE War Games match. I know we've had an NXT, but this is like on the main roster. This is this is a big deal that we're getting a War Games match with the, with the top dogs in WWE. I'm guessing the Bloodline is going to be in the War Games match. And you make this like the War Games, you know, this, you make, excuse me, you make this like the Bloodlines match. No one can beat them in a war game, similar to how, you know, back in the day it was the Four Horsemen's match or, you know, the, you know, the match they were, they, were, they were always a part of for the most part or, you know, uh, for a while it was the Undisputed Era as well in NXT. So you make, you, I think you can make this the Bloodlines match. Now I'm wondering where we're going to go with this because I do think there's a good possibility that this is where the Sami Zayn storyline really plays out with him involving the Bloodline I could see Kevin Owens on the other side. I'm going to write an article, I think, with more of my thoughts on who I think is going to be on what team. But you got to guess that two two teams that are a lock in those two War Games matches are the Bloodline and Damage Control. Okay, so then speaking of Damage Control, Bailey uh, (laughs) Bailey drives Damage Control to the ring on a golf cart as tons of pyro and streamers go off she plays up that they're in her hometown before healing it up on all the people in her hometown she thanks dakota and eo for joining her on this ride and dakota takes the mic next and runs down alexa bliss oscar and bianca belair prompting an entrance from all three bianca says that she couldn't just sit back and let them disrespect her anymore so she's there to change that uh, we get some more back and forth between both sides and eventually, ba- Bailey calls Alexa a shell of her former self, which leads to Bliss challenging her to a match. Uh, Bliss knocks Bailey out. All right, now that we did that, here's a brief portion of my interview with Mandy Rose. I want to start this off asking you the same thing I ask all my guests, and that is how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? <sighs> Well, I, I would say maybe 80%, I would say. 80%, okay. <laughs> yeah, I would go with 80%. I mean, I think there's a lot of lot of truth to, you know, who Amanda Sakamano is and who Mandy Rose is, you know, where where my character derived from and how I started. But I definitely think it's amped up 
a lot. And my own my own dad would probably disagree with this. So when he watches this, he's going to be dis- disappointed because <laughs> he's like, that's not my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say are the biggest similarities then between you and your character? I would say primarily the confidence aspect of my character, um, my presence, you know, as a whole, um, the the drive and, and discipline I have. That's all, you know, that's all in, in both in both people or both characters. And um, I think it's just, you know, it's just like like we all say, it's Mandy Rose is is just a, a amped up version of um, of Amanda. Well, okay, so then what's the that 20% that, that isn't you? What would you say is is that? I would say the um the arrogant, cocky, <laughs> um, you know, all about myself persona. Um that's definitely not me. I'm actually um very much the most selfless person. I do a lot for others. I'm very humble. I'm very um down to earth. And I think that's kind of the biggest uh, takeaway with me when people meet me is that sometimes they look at me as a whole and they see this persona and the way I present myself and my looks and all that. And, you know, you can't judge a book by a cover by its cover. So a lot of people, um, for instance, like Sonia Deville was a prime example when she first met me, she like, you know, saw this blonde bombshell with like, you know, the hoop earrings and I was all dressed to the nine and she was like, oh, this one's going to be, you know, you know, you know what she's all about. But then when she first said hello to me, she, I was just like a normal, nor, you know, up north, uh, down to earth girl. And I was just like, what's up? And she's like, oh, <laughs> did we just become best friends? <laughs> like it was one of those moments. So a lot of people say that about me. I'm I'm very down to earth and very humble. Um, so definitely I would say the, the arrogant cockiness about my character is not the real Amanda. What's your favorite thing about working with Gigi Dolan? Um, since I met Gigi the first time, I, I liked how she, um, is just very kind of, uh, she's, she's, there's kind of like this like quiet mystery about her and she just, um, you know, she's a little, little more to herself and there's nothing wrong with that. I kind of was always like that as well. I'm just, I'm not your like over the top, like kiss ass type person. And I don't really see her being like that either. Excuse me. And I feel like that's kind of the vibe I got. And I was like, oh, this girl's cool. Like, and obviously, you know, she's been working really hard on the independence and um, obviously, you know, so has JC. So I just feel like I think it's cool that like their hard work has finally paid off and they finally made it, you know, to the big stage. Um, but yeah, I just thought she was super cool at first. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anything about them really. So it was just like, we, we got, we all got really close now, you know, to this point. What do you think uh, JC Jane's greatest strength is as a performer? I love JC. JC, um, we became really close and, um, she, she's really, she's really great. I would say her greatest, um, like her greatest attribute would be like her passion. She's, she's extremely passionate. Um, and you know, that, that goes a really long way, but she's also a really hard worker and, um, she wants the best for everyone too. She's, she's a really, really good person. And, um, I think I think JC, to be honest, has really come a long way too when it comes to like character. Because at first, um, you know, Gigi, I think at first kind of had a little bit more, um, you know, I don't want to say name, but like more people maybe newer from the independents and shit a yeah. couple of TV matches. So maybe you know that's the case. But 
JC, when we first came together, like there were times where at first they were like, well, who's JC, you know, who's, and we've all been through that. But now I really see like so much growth in her character because she's really like come to find herself. And like, I just think she has that like kind of wild side and like, she's just very like, kind of like that screamy, like side of her is just like what kind of makes her stand out. And she's really like found herself, which I think is really cool to see and be a part of. Yeah. I haven't, you know, obviously been watching her as long as I've watched you on TV now at this point, but she, her, her determination and drive reminds me of you in ways because, you know, she got tossed into the deep end as well. Like you said, Gigi was, was more known from the independence. You obviously from the main roster. And so she really had to, uh, you know, prove herself that she belonged with the two of you there. And I think that she has completely done that in the time you guys have all been together. I agree. Definitely. And I think that's really cool to see because it's sometimes really, that's another thing. It can be really stressful, especially when you're put in a group and, you know, everyone brings something different to the table, but when you're kind of like, and and people obviously are asking you and then like the pressure's on. And I think she really has like, you know, this past year has, has really found herself, which is really cool. Well, I glossed over the main roster because I wanted to get to NXT stuff, but you know, toxic attraction recently had a, a brush again, with the main roster. Would you like to eventually move back there as a trio? Yeah, I think it would be really cool. Um, and especially right now, um, you know, Bailey's trio, I think is, is super cool. And I, I think one day it would be really awesome to face off, you know, face off the control. Um, but I also think um, I want everyone to be like fully ready as well. Cause I know how it can be. Lastly, let's get in to the most pertinent thoughts I had on this week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. This week's show started off with Roman Reigns coming out with the bloodline. That includes Sami Zayn. The whole gang is back, and it was so great to see, like, <laughs> it was so funny to see the whole group as, you know, as a whole together with Sami Zayn doing his whole Sammy Zane thing. <laughs> so you got Paul there, you got Solo now, but also Sammy, and he's like the wild cousin who's just kind of a, who's definitely had, looks like he had a couple drinks, he's like a little loose, he's real, he's feeling himself, he's feeling happy that the, the group is whole again, and he's wildly dancing to the ring with the bloodline. Paul Heyman, who returned last week, talks about how the idea for Solo Sokoa joining the bloodline was done by the elders of the Samoan dynasty. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't Roman's idea. It wasn't the Usos idea. It wasn't even Sami Zayn's idea. It was the elders. I thought this was a nice little touch here. I, I think that, um, you know, solo had kind of no pun intended had been doing his own thing in NXT. And it kind of felt like even though the, the hardcore fan who was watching knew that he was part of the bloodline, he kind of, he kind of talked a lot on NXT about how he had to fend for himself and was by himself. And so I think that it, it felt like they were moving. They were, they were, they were trying to not necessarily make him just be the third. Uso on, on uh you know in wwe and actually you know after this they paul says that solo is the new enforcer of the bloodline who is there to ensure that roman stays at the head of the table and allow the usos to remain focused on the pursuit of immortality and i felt like 
all of this was also kind of designed to not necessarily make him the third Uso, even though now they've they're upfront about the fact that they're brothers on TV. Um, I think that it's they're they're trying to still kind of make him seem like a wild card to a certain degree because after this, you know, Roman tells Solo that the elders may have sent him, but Solo answers to him now, so he needs to acknowledge him, and Solo does that, even though when they're hugging, he kind of had his eyes open and still looked kind of serious. But regardless, regardless of that, that could just be his his serious guy face. Um, I, I think that this, this segment did a good job of making him, this part, I should say, not the whole segment, but I mean the segment too, but this part specifically did a good job of making him feel like a wild card. You know, the elders send him, Roman's got to make sure he's in check still. Um, but also, um, explaining that, that there's a reason for why he was brought up from NXT kind of out of the blue. You know, when Roman was by himself and needed the help. It was a call made by the elders because they wanted to ensure the bloodline stays strong. I'm into that. Logical explanation for bringing Solo Sokoa up. Big fan of logic. Uh, The segment seems to be over after Roman and Solo hug it out. But Sammy tells them to cut the music and apologizes for the interruption. He thanks the family for treating him like family as well lately, and says he wants to acknowledge the tribal chief just like Solo Sokoa did. This brings a smile to Roman's face, and he tells Sammy he likes him, but then he gets real serious for a minute and asks Sammy why he's talking or saying anything right now. And there's like a sudden turn. It looks like the turn that most of us have been expecting for some time. Well, I should say most of you, not me, I expect things to end differently, but most of you have been expecting for a long time where it looked like this was the moment that Roman was going to turn on Sammy. He's like, why do you have our shirt on? What do you want? And then he's like, I'll tell you what I want. I want you to take that shirt off. And Sammy asks if this is because of last week. Roman tells him to take it off. Now, Sammy's apprehensive and Roman tells Jay to pull it off of him. Jay does it, happily does it. Uh, and then Roman tells him that he's never wearing it again while a dejected Sammy looks on. And then, he, you know, you feel so bad. Your heart, it's like, oh, poor Sammy. He was so happy. He was just feeling himself so hard at the top of this segment. Walking out with the full crew, even though they all had the new shirt and he didn't. Um, and finally, Roman says, you ain't going to wear it again because I got you a new one. He tosses Sammy a shirt. And Sammy reveals that it has his initials on it, and it says, Honorary Oos. New Honorary Oos shirt. All is, well, all is okay in the bloodline, because Jay still doesn't seem very happy about it. But Jimmy's pumped. Roman seems pumped. Solo, hard to tell. Kind of a serious enforcer. (laughs) But everyone's excited. The crowd goes nuts. Sammy hugs him acknowledges his tribal chief Sammy firmly planted in the bloodline after this segment. I loved it, man. All right, that was the best of the week. I hope that you enjoyed it. But if you if you didn't listen to these episodes, feel free to go back and check them out. 
I really think the episode with Mandy Rose is worth your time and attention. So if you got to pick one, go listen to that one. As much as I enjoy hearing myself talk, I like hearing other people talk more, specifically a WWE superstar, every week on Out of Character. So don't, don't miss out on the episode. Next week on Wednesday, we've got Kayla Braxton on the show, and she was live in the studio with me here in Los Angeles. I think you guys are going to enjoy our conversation. We get off the rails a little bit, but it's still a fun chat. Make sure that you check it out. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find video clips from Raw and SmackDown every week, as well as out of character every Wednesday on video early in the morning. Also, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're on all of them, so make sure that you follow us there. And make sure, if you've gotten this far, that you're subscribed to this podcast feed. And if, you, if you're nice, if you're nice, if you're a good person, leave a review for the show. I try my best to read as many as possible when I'm doing the SmackDown and Raw roundups. All right. The week is over. It's over. We're done here. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday for another Raw roundup. Until then, I bid you adieu. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now. 